And where are the best? Well, not in politics, that's for sure. Times have changed, Germanus. Once politics was the only way our young men could climb out of the slums. Let us fight for a world of reason. A world where science and progress will lead to all men's happiness. I mean, if I don't know what you're up to, and if I, if I don't holler and scream when I think you're doing it wrong, and if I just mind my own business and don't vote or care, then I just get what I deserve. In the name of democracy, let us all unite! Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for your hospitality, and I really want to thank you for having the green courage to invite all candidates. I thank you. Our, your state demographics are not highlighted within this room. So one of the reasons I'm running is to help black, red, and green the party. So I'm here for the next three days to help train, recruit folks of color and immigrants. So if there's anybody who wants someone who has experience of recruiting folks of color and immigrants, I'm your candidate. We don't need a man. We don't. It's time for a change. They have done enough. I'm a fourth generation black farmer. I'm the only candidate who's actually helped a third party win seats in Parliament. I lived 31 years in Ghana, West Africa, and I helped Dr. Evan Mahama, who was an outside candidate, be able to secure five candidates. No one here has that experience. I'm a strategist, I do strategic and tactical planning, and I'm a PR person. We need someone that can get 15 to 18% to be in between the corporate funded candidates. I'm a candidate. I look forward to speaking to each of you and working together to build a better Green Party. I don't talk as long as everybody else. <laughs> I'll go since I got 30 seconds. I'm going to teach you a song. It's called Paint, Just Move Your Hand, White House, and You're Green. Green. One, two, three. Paint the White House green. Won't you help me to paint the White House green? We can do it later, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. That's hard to, hard act to follow. I'm just roll with it, sister. So uh, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for organizing this and, and inviting us all eight here. Um, so I'm Susan Bookser Lahaki, and that's uh, Bookser Lahaki with a hyphen. Um, and the spelling is now correct with an, an S in the Bookser also. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm new to the Green Party, as I said before, and um, I'm a New York State, New York City Green. Um, I'm sort of also new to campaigning, so I'm going to read you, because I finally had time to put together the list of accomplishments or job titles that I have currently and that I've had in the past. So I want to say, first and foremost, I'm a mother, and I'm also a wife, and I'm also a dog artist and a peace promoter, an art director. Uh, I'm also a women's rights activist, a business owner, a past VP of the American Women's Club in Zurich, uh, running events there, and also a past Unitarian Universalist president of the congregation in Basel, Switzerland. And, uh, oh, of course a presidential candidate with the Green Party. So, um, yeah, what can I say? I'm happy to be here. My main um, 
issue that I'm working with is mothers. Being a mother, all sorts of mothering uh, issues that come up, but I think uh, the main important uh, message that I have is um, motherhood used to be covered, it used to be paid when we had a um, traditional family organization, you know, with a breadwinner at the top, and then mothers were being paid within that salary. But we don't have that anymore, which is fine because, you know, now we have, everybody is able to work and we have careers and women are doing more things than mothering, but we're not getting paid for it. So I'm, I'm hoping to bring mother pay to the U.S. Thank you. My name is Dario Hunter. I'm a rabbi, a former teacher, a former environmental attorney, and an activist against fracking, as well as an activist for human rights. And I'm here for the umpteenth time. It has been one of many visits to this state, and I'm a former resident of Michigan, so it's always a pleasure to be here. I'm here to talk to you about the fundamental system change that we need as a country to ensure that every part of this country is able to have a share in what we call the American dream. For many, it is a nightmare, because without the sense of economic equality that we need to be able to survive in this country, dealing with environmental and educational racism, dealing with a certain system that does not allow for a living wage because of its hyper-capitalist abuses of the American worker, dealing with that is the major challenge that is before us as a party as human beings. So our campaign is focusing on the People of Color Bill of Rights because we want to focus on the gap between supposed rights on the books and the experience of many marginalized minorities. We're focusing not just on clean energy and eliminating fossil fuel extraction, we're focusing on issues such as plastic pollution, we're focusing on issues such as the rapacious nature of agribusiness and how it contributes to climate change. We want total and full solutions in environmental abuses. And when we say we talk about ending war, when we talk about ending war, we talk about creating instead a Department of Peace rather than simply downsizing this country's imperialist, colonialist tendencies. And our campaign is focused on community building because we understand that if we're going to conquer the democratic deficit, we are going to have to empower communities to have a true say and voice and choice in the future of this country and in this planet. And so what we offer is a candidacy that speaks not just to the challenges that Americans face, but that represents the fullness of the American experience. And it's a pleasure to be here to talk to you about that today. Um, greetings, um, Michigan Green Party comrades. Um, my name is David Rold. I'm, I'm from Massachusetts, <coughs> from the um, colony of Massachusetts on, on indigenous land there. And I'm a, a revolutionary communist, anti-imperialist, anti-war activist. And I've, I've been a member of my Green Party in Massachusetts since 2003. I'm currently chair of the Greater Boston chapter. and. Um, you know, I, I see the United States as a illegitimate um, white European nationalist colony on stolen land built on slavery, and um, I'm, I'm for you know restoring justice, like ending that system. We need decolonization, 
reparations and self-determination for Africans and indigenous people and all oppressed people like on this continent and everywhere, including in, in Palestine. We need to do that there and stop stop funding the completely stop funding the Zionist colony in Palestine. Um, I'm, I'm for totally eliminating the US military and weapons industry. Like the US military, it serves no positive purpose. It's just destroying the world. It's the biggest polluter and carbon emitter in the world, as well as it bombs places and destroys societies. And we can't just have like a smaller version of that. We need to eliminate it. So I'm for shutting down the USA and its empire on this continent and everywhere. Um, like the, the, we need we need to get back to our key values. The Green Party can't can't um, run just like the mainstream parties. Like we need we need to operate with respect. Like in our personal families and relationships, we need respect. In the Green Party, we need respect, and we need respect to undo the injustices that that I I spoke of. And um, the the U.S. presidential election it's a farce. It's like it's like billionaires running this stage drama, and we need to protest against the election rather than legitimize it. Thank you. Uh, I'm Dennis Lambert, and I'm running for president. Uh, I have a podcast that says so as well. Uh, I'm running on a four-part platform to end all wars, that's the drug war, as well as the war on uh, reproductive rights, uh, all meaningless wars, including these uh, incursions uh, to uh, ch regime change. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I've lost many friends and family members over there, uh, too many already. The, the second part of my platform is a universal health care and improved, expanded Medicare for all that includes dental, mental health care, as well as vision care and oral care. I know a lot of people who have the health care, they think they got it great, but they have to pay extra for that dental care, for that mental health care, for eyeglasses every year. So we need to expand Medicare for the same treatment that we give our troops. Anything that you needed when you were in service, you got when you went to the medical uh, offices. I also have a part of my platform of $25 an hour minimum wage. When I ran in 2016, I wanted $21 an hour minimum wage. I rose it to $4. Every time I run, I'm gonna increase it by a dollar until we actually have a livable wage. I believe $25 an hour uh, is a respectable wage and you can support a family on a single income in a lot of communities with just a $25 an hour minimum wage. Uh, the fourth part of my uh, platform is uh, <clears throat> a renewable infrastructure investment program where we send money back to communities so that they can create their own infrastructure that based on renewable energy using uh, hydrokinetic turbines either in sewage or along waterways. Anywhere there's water, we can generate electricity. Anywhere there's sunlight, we can generate electricity. Anywhere there's wind, we can generate electricity. Uh, Mainly I'm running on these four things, but I also want to encourage anybody out there who's ever thought about running for office to do it. Because the Green Party needs to field more people to actually give people something to vote for instead of vote against at the ballot. Well, good afternoon, Green Party. My name is Howie Hawkins. I'm from Syracuse, New York. And I'm seeking the Green Party nomination. I'm a recently retired Teamster. Before that, I was a construction worker, but for the last 50 years, I worked 
mainly so I could pay the rent and be active in the movement. I got active in the 1960s with the civil rights, anti-war, radical ecology movement in the Bay Area of California where I came up, where we, I think we're on the cutting edge of that movement. And at that time, I very early committed to independent political action by working class people for participatory democracy, democratic socialism, and ecology. And I think I was right as a kid, and all the evidence since then thinks, makes me think I was right at the beginning. So I supported the Peace and Freedom Party in 68, the People's Party in 72, 76, the Citizens Party in 80, got invited to the first National Green Organizing Committee in 1984, St. Paul, Minnesota, and I went there and I've been involved in the Greens ever since. Green Party of New York ran me for governor three times, we got enough votes to get uh, a ballot line, and in 2014, we got 5%. Governor Cuomo wanted to run up the vote, get ready to run for president. And he looked at us, we got 5%. So he had to compete for what we were talking about, a ban on fracking, a $15 minimum wage to pay family leave. We got those things. That's why the Greens need to be in this election. So what our campaign is about, we got two primary goals. One is to build the Green Party. We want to do for the first time what we haven't been able to do yet, all 51 ballots. We're going for primary matching funds so we can pay the petitioners to get on the ballot. And then we want to use that ballot to bring our issues into the national debate because the Democrats and Republicans are failing to solve basic problems. We got a climate crisis, we got a new nuclear arms race, and we've had growing inequality since the mid or early 1970s. And inequality kills. People don't go to the doctor because they got to pay the rent. And I can tell you stories about the man who lived downstairs from me died last year because he didn't get his kidney medicine and his kidneys failed. That's happening over and over. There are charts in the New York Times yesterday about this. So we got an economic bill of rights. I was the first candidate to run for a Green New Deal, and I got nuclear disarmament initiatives that I want to get into the national debate so we can move the agenda. Thank you. Now we have two candidates that couldn't make it today. Ken Mesplay from Texas. He had a sickness in the family come about fairly recently, so he has to be down there to stay down in Texas and take care of his family member. Then Chad Wilson from Tennessee, and as we all know, Tennessee has been hit by tornadoes, so Chad had to go ahead and stay there with all the people of Tennessee. We also have a stack of questions for you, Kansas. And I'll start out by asking the first one here What are the best ways to distinguish the Greens from the Democrats and the Republicans? And how is our real deal better than the Republican and Democrat deals? And I'll start with Howie, and we'll work down that down table. And if you need the question repeated, just say so. Well, first of all, when you vote for the Greens, you know what you voted for. Too many progressives going to the Democratic Party, and they may be a Sanders socialist, but nobody knows whether that was a socialist vote or a corporate uh, Clintonite vote. So they get lost in the sauce. The left disappears. The green alternative disappears. So if you want a change, you don't go into the Democratic Party. So that's a difference. Second difference, we're trying to represent the working people in this country. Those two parties are funded by the corporate elites. They represent that class. We need a party of our own to speak and act for ourselves. And you go into the, I call it political ventriloquism. These progressives, you know, they try to get the liberal corporate sponsored candidates to say and do what they want. It's not very effective. What happens is they take the progressives for granted. So that's the second difference. We represent the working people. And then we got a real program that solves problems. Like you mentioned, the Green New Deal. You know, the Greens 
made that our signature issue. We ran on it in 2010. Jill Stein ran on it 2012, 2016. And then AOC and the Sunrise Movement. I know they got it from us because AOC's campaign manager was VG Ramos. She ran a green campaign the year before. They know where they got that from, but they diluted the content. They took the brand and diluted the content. So the non-binding resolution introduced in the Congress dropped the ban on fracking and new fossil fuel infrastructure, dropped the phase out of nuclear power, dropped the cuts in military spending to help fund the Green New Deal, and extended the deadline from 2030 to 2050. So that's why that's what's different about us. We don't compromise. We know we put forward solutions. The Democrats and Republicans put forward focus group tested, advertised BS. So they take the Green New Deal, they put it, and you know what happened in Congress? Tell me when I run out of time, because I can go on. You know, Pelosi won't let them vote on that watered down Green New Deal. And then McConnell said, well, half you senators on the Democratic side are running for president, let's get you on the record. And Schumer said, oh, that's a trick. We're all going to vote president. And all the little Democratic senators did, except four of them voted with Republicans, no, on the watered down Green New Deal. So when they tell us we're spoiling the election, we got to say no. We're improving the election. That's what third parties have done historically. Put issues on the table that the other parties won't deal with, starting with the Liberty Party and the question of slavery, right on down through the uh, social insurance programs we got in the New Deal. That was the Socialist Party brought that forward. Somebody mentioned monetary reform earlier. That was the big issue for the Greenback Labor and the People's Parties in the late 19th century. And we ended up with the Federal Reserve, which is not what they wanted, but at least they raised the issue and made it a national debate. That's what the historic role of third parties. We just want to go further. We want to replace Democrats and Republicans with Greens up in there. Uh, I imagine most everybody in this room is a disaffected Democrat. Am I right in that? <laughs> Uh, I, uh, when I was 18, uh, besides uh, joining the military for the educational benefits and the opportunity to get out of poverty, uh, I registered as a Republican. It wasn't very much short, shortly after that, it was not even four years after that, that I, I became an independent. Uh, in 2010, I, I ran first as a, a Green, first time I ever got politically active. I had the hope that Obama gave us all, but unfortunately, after that first year, I, I, I saw there was no hope in, in a Democratic Party either. So uh, in 2010, I ran for the State House in a very conservative area. In 2014, I ran again in a, the widest congressional district in the United States, Ohio's sixth. You can look it up, it's, it's on Wikipedia. Uh, the Republicans created it as a stronghold for the Republicans on the eastern side of Ohio. I managed to get over 3% of the vote, I believe it was 3.2% of the vote, and only spent $1.38 on each vote that I got. Uh, I believe that we need to reach out not only to disaffected Democrats, but also those conservatives who are really getting sick of the cult of personality of the Tangerine 45. Uh, I just recently had a friend of mine who served with me in the military, who's a die-hard Republican, decided that he wanted to support my campaign, and he's now a member of my campaign staff. Uh, running in these conservative areas, it's not as easy as running in, in liberal areas. We have 56% of the electorate that are out there that are not voting in every election. That number grows every year. 
And if we're just reaching out to disaffect the Democrats, that's not really reaching that 56%. We may be reaching 20, 24% of that. So we really need to start reaching out to other Republicans that our message resonates with as far as a smaller government and less incursion in all these wars, as well as giving power back to the people and taking it from the government. Conservatives love that stuff. They gobble it up, especially when we say that we're anti-establishment. There's nothing stronger in the heart of a Republican than anti-establishment rhetoric. Now, to that, I want to say that everybody in this room who's active in the Green Party should be running for something. There's plenty of opportunities to run for the dog catcher, city council, county commissioner, township trustee, whatever the position is, we should be running Greens in every office, every year, every time. That's the way we really build the party, is to give people something to vote for instead of voting against. There's 56% of the people out there that aren't voting. We need to be reaching to those people and telling them the Green Party supports you. Okay, um, we need a, a revolution, not a new deal. The, the new deal was a, a you know, Franklin Roosevelt Democrat Party plan to save capitalism. By, by giving some concessions to working class people or, or maybe even just to white working class people in this country. And um, I mean, the term New Deal it implies you're going to keep the same people in power and just make a, a new deal with them. Like the billionaires are still going to be in power, but they're going to like give us more so we'll keep going along with them being in power. And that's, that's not what we need. We need, we need to. Um, we need to change who's in power. And the, the current Democrats, they've co-opted um, Green New Deal because it's their slogan to begin with. It's very easy for them to co-opt and it gets confusing because we have the Sunrise Movement and 350 and they say they're for a Green New Deal. And then when we invite them to speak, they're trying to promote um, Ed Markey and all these warmongering Politic Democrat politicians to stay in power, so we need we should stop using that term. That will that will differentiate us from the, the Democrats. Um, we we need to eliminate the U.S. military, as I said, and um, reallocate our resources to um, to to support to fund human needs and to um, preserve the um, the earth and the um, environment and ecosystems so that we can live sustainably. Um, we need to turn over all the power and resources to working class um, revolutionary Africans and indigenous people. We need the, um, the power of African and indigenous wisdom to, to lead us, lead humanity to, to live sustainably. Um, I'm a supporter of the Black is Back Coalition and I, I support um, the Black is Back Coalition 19 point program, which is all about self-determination and, and um, reparations and self-determination for the um, African community and all oppressed communities. And um, we, we need to, to stop um, corporations that are, that are poisoning us. Um, we have you know, genetically modified food. We have, um, we have weather warfare and, and geoengineering and um, pesticides and like glyphosate we need we need to and fluoridated water and we have a, a pharmaceutical 
industry that's like run run by capitalists to make profit instead of instead of keeping us healthy. We need to we need to overturn that. It's not just that we need to fund healthcare, it's we need good like non non-capitalist healthcare. And that's that's just the problem generally is that capitalism is about um, producing for profits things that we don't need and we need to, to stop doing that. Thanks. How are we different from the Democrats? We're different from the Democrats because we will actually change this rotten system because unlike them, we actually want to. It's all an elaborate shell game, folks. The Democrats and Republicans are all working together in many regards to maintain privilege, to maintain corporate ownership of you, to maintain what amounts to slavery and manifests itself as such in so many ways, including the school-to-prison pipeline that funnels people into the new plantation system, the mass incarceration system. In this state, in Michigan, 20%, only 20% of black third graders are reading and writing at grade level. That's a situation that's persisted whether you have a Democrat or a Republican as a governor. And the reason why is because they're all chasing those corporate dollars, and education is big business and big money especially those charter schools that are undercutting public education but failing our children nonetheless. We're in a, a especially, especially fitting place to discuss that considering this is DeVos land here in Grand Rapids. That's what they're promoting. Nothing changes, Democrat or Republican. Didn't change under Obama's presidency, didn't change for black people, didn't change for rural America because they don't want it to, because the failure and the misery is profitable to them. We have to acknowledge that. And we have to acknowledge it because people are hurting and they feel it and they know it and we have the answers to solve those problems. We are not corporately co-opted, we are not corporately owned. And we will address those issues and speak truth to power. How is our real New Deal better than the Democrats? Well, for one thing, this is something that corporatist mindsets do. They will take, they'll dangle a carrot out to you, give you an illusion of caring about your issues. And that's what they're doing with their watered-down version of the Green New Deal. Some of these versions focus just on electricity and not on transportation and the massive carbon emissions that come from that. They're watered-down in ways that would never be effective. We have a comprehensive plan and solution to address the climate change catastrophe we are facing. And our campaign offers a more comprehensive solution even than others, because with our Green Path Forward addition to the Green New Deal, we are tackling the many other neglected aspects of manufacturing and corporate endeavor that unfortunately are feeding massively into this climate change catastrophe. You know, 20%, 20% of oil extraction by 2050 will be related to plastics and plastics production. We as a campaign are targeting that because we need to to save this planet. We have to discuss reaching peak meat. Scientists have identified the destruction of forests and the methane pollution coming from overproduction of livestock for meat consumption as a key part of this issue of climate change catastrophe. And our campaign is addressing that. And we're addressing it because it is an essentially green campaign. Because we're not beholden to corporate profits. We are beholden to the people above profits and the survival of this planet. Thank you. What's the best way to distinguish the Green Party from the Democrats and the Republicans, and how is our real deal better than the Democrats and Republicans' deals? 
So uh, I think the main difference is corporate money. Uh, as far as I know, we're not supposed to take any as uh, candidates. And uh, I believe that that's a policy in the Green Party itself. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing. We are free from the uh, shackles of, uh, of corporate America. And uh, that's very important. That is the probably most important thing. Um, I think also our green policy on taking care of the planet is far, uh, yeah, more, more far-reaching than the plans that are coming out of the uh, Democrats and the Republicans. And since our title is Green Party, you know, it sort of goes hand in hand. So uh, the, the main thing that I think we need to do is get people involved. Uh, we have a lot of people sitting here. I don't know how many people are really involved in their communities. And you, know, you have friends too that could also get involved. Because yeah, the more involved we are in our communities and in our governments, the more we can bring our ideas forward as uh, you know, green people, and um, yeah, we can make change. I know uh, we we are a third party, and of course we're always downtrodden. Uh, they don't like us. They don't really want us because you know we're going to take their money away and make changes that they don't want. Uh, that is actually our job to make these changes, or at least to bring attention to changes that could be made. We're doing that, but we have to go further. But we can't do it alone. We need everybody to get involved. So, uh, and then maybe we can be a first party or even a second party. You know, let's let's see what we can do. This this campaign. So I've been living the last 20 years in Switzerland, and in Switzerland we have a lot of green uh, policies there. And in fact, the Green Party of Switzerland did very well in this last election. So there, and and all over Europe, I should say. So the, the wave of green parties uh, really contributing to the political process this year and in the coming years, I think it's, it's happening. I think it's our chance, our time. And I think we have to be vocal about it. So I don't know what you can do in your own communities, in your churches or synagogues or wherever you, you are in your groups. It, we, it's not just about talking to each other. It's about spreading it to other people. And um, I think we can bring the, the real change that's needed. So I guess uh, that's it. And I agree with everything that everybody has said so far here on this topic. So it's our time. Thank you. Couple of things. Uh, people were not, my folks were not slaves. They were enslaved. There's no such thing as white. You come from a tribe, we all come from somewhere. There's no such thing as race, there's one human. The other thing is that there's not, we're not a third party. There's folks who take corporate money and then there's ones that don't. So those, just those three words can distinguish us by being really clear about what that means. The second thing that would distinguish us is really not the Green New Deal, but Green System Change. I was in conversation with who should be running for president about corporate ties, barbaric capitalism. No system, unless it's changed on an ecological economics, can be sustainable. Our campaign does not go with the Green New Deal. We talk about it in terms of 
ecological economics. I'll go back over it. The second one is anti-racism. We want to distinguish ourselves. Let us become the first openly anti-racist party. Can we do that? Yes. Can we do it? Yes. It's, it's really simple. No other campaign had the courage to have an open book read. We, every Sunday, one, I think, two of the people here joined us. We had a paid facilitator, and she took us through these chapters. It's that simple. All we have to do is read this book together at a party and embody the steps that are here. It's not brain surgery. We are, there's another group. They do what's called White Privilege Conference. We can join them. We do that, that distinguishes us because the biggest issues we have are with each other. The study, I think y'all heard about the Harvard study, that at the end of the day, they, I think they studied like 75 people, not job, not money, but relationships were the most important. And one of the things I've been doing is going around helping people understand how to build green relationships. It took me to 40 years old to join my parents and my family to become completely radical. It was the wake up call, so I have a little bit more patience with most people about change. The second one is to be honest, truth and reconciliation. Thank you, ma'am. Doctrine of discovery. Who has heard about the doctrine of discovery? Just two people, three people. Look it up. It's the basis of all the negativity that has happened in the world. Cognitive dissonance. Who knows what that is? Thank you. We have experienced craziness as candidates. I am so glad you all found green values in inviting everybody. This is what democracy looks like. So let's get that together. Ranked choice voting. I'm done. All right, all right. I, I'm sticking to the rules. Thank you so much. You can keep the mic down there. The next question, and this is, uh, what specifically will you do to unite the Green Party and Green Thinking people? Easy. That's real simple. As someone who's a communication expert and trainer, it's about doing training. Typically, when I go around, we sit in a circle. I'm sorry, someone's. Sure, right now. Because of the amount of questions that we have, we're going to limit response time to two minutes. Or no problem. Three. None at all. Sorry. No, no, I've never run over. So no <laughs> issue. I'm respectful, and I'm so grateful that everybody's here. You will not, when you say stop, I'll do it. All right, we'll so, start. no problem. Okay. So that, that's the easiest thing as a candidate for me, to help. Because each of us need to be trained to be ambassadors of change. There's a book about bridging. There's a way to talk to anyone. Like Dennis, right-wing folks call me and talk because I talk about ecological wisdom. They don't have the background in true capitalism to understand that they're off base. So being able to listen, to hear, and to really engage with people is critical for each of us as Green Party people, and I'm able to help train to do that. The other thing is, I talked about it, succession planning. I keep saying, let's look at ourselves, Greens. We have to look at your demographics. 78% are European Americans. I think 13 is like me. What do we need to do? Come up with targeted, specific areas that affect each of those demographics. We talk about business model canvas, the only canvas. 
that understands we need to have a long-term program. That's me. And I've been pushing that. I invited all candidates to join me on the green positioning system. Because it's not about a candidate. It's about our party. And that's lacking in terms of leadership in what you'll see here. I'm the most trade effective candidate because I've run, I was a campaign manager for our candidate in 2008. I ran as vice president. We should never let anyone else run who does not understand national politics. This is one of the issues that I've run into. I spend more time organizing stuff for us than anybody because I know as a party, that's what's gonna be long lasting. Done, all right. So how to bring the Green Party together? Um, I think uh, I think uh, I've seen a lot of great things here today. That you guys are really together. I, uh, I've enjoyed your uh, your conference so far. It's it's great. I've enjoyed the people I've met. Everybody is really uh, pleasant, and um, it's been a fantastic experience. And the fact that you invited all all of us here, we we're only six, but we are eight, and the other two we heard why they couldn't be here. But, uh, and some of us are official, and some of us are not so official, and some of us are new, and, uh, but we all have some good ideas and good uh, things to introduce and talk about. So I think that's, that's one thing, being inclusive. And I think we're doing it. We ourselves, so here in Grand Rapids, you know, you guys are doing a good job. Uh, and then uh, for me, uh, on my policies, the, my main issue, which is uh, taking care of mothers and families, I think that's something that could really unite the Green Party all over the U.S., you know, because I think when you look around, uh, or at least I don't know about you, but I've, I've been touring the U.S. for the last month, and pretty much everybody I meet is working two and three jobs, or some people have like a part-time job and they're on welfare, or I don't know what. So, you know, a lot of them are mothers or fathers, and uh, they don't have enough money to make ends meet, and they're making decisions between paying the rent and going to the doctor, and uh, this needs to stop. So I think uh, giving support to mothers and families through something called mother pay, where we can support families to be families and to raise children and um, to be uh, a unit again, you know, to bring people together. I think it's something that could really unite all green people all over the United States. Thank you. If we're going to be a party that's going to create this great sense of unity nationwide and globally by being a party of peace, a party that is intended to reduce conflict, then it's of course something that we have to live and share as an experience as a party. And because we're so passionate about the things that we believe in, sometimes that passion can lead to conflict. And it comes from something that is initially healthy, but can lead to things that might get in the way of our goals. And we have to be able to recognize that and I think part of recognizing that is planning for that and engaging in a structural, organizational planning that's going to best facilitate our ability to work together with each other, regardless of the many viewpoints that we have. And we do have many diverse viewpoints. And they all have to find a place within this party. 
We are more alike than we are unlike, as the quote goes. So I believe very strongly in an idea that's been raised in creating caucus coalitions, have the various caucuses connect with each other and communicate on a regular basis to better understand each other's positions so there's no misunderstanding. I believe in having regular summits and retreats, especially on issues that have become issues of conflict and disagreement in the party. Healthy things can come from disagreement and dissent. We can learn from each other, but we won't do that if we stay in separate solitudes and snipe each other over our differences. Our differences are points of possible growth. Training is a very important part of this, because just as I had to learn how to become an attorney and argue and also mediate from my perspective as an attorney, you have to learn the skills of communication. And I think as a whole, Better planning and better communication is in order for us as a party because sometimes the misunderstandings that we have are really just that, misunderstandings due to lack of information. Now, someone who addresses various aspects of our experience as a country and various aspects of the green, I can see things from many sides, from my experience as an African-American, my background as an openly gay person, from the fact that I'm the son of an immigrant. And so I like to see things from many different angles. I think that helps in the work that I do. We as a party have to provide a place and a space to be able to see things from every single angle and to plan and anticipate for that in terms of our communication. Okay, I, I think we need to focus on our key values, that that's what brings the, um, the Green Party together. So, um, so um, you know, we, we need to, to, um, to focus on the fact that we're for, for real change, um, and we're not, we need to, to get away from, like, just trying to be presentable, and, and focus on getting money and getting ballot access and like really differentiate us that, that we're, we're for real change and that's, that's why we're attracting people <coughs> to, to, um, to use like grassroots um, consensus seeking um, processes to, to come up with what we're doing, not like top down hierarchical, hierarchical um, processes. So, um, you know, I, Running for running for president, I've seen this this system of the the two tiers of candidates and this hierarchical system for deciding which candidates are allowed to to um to be on ballot primary ballots and speak at debates. I'm really glad that you're not doing that here in in you're Michigan. So but, but yeah, so but I'm gonna to work on changing that moving forward. I mean, even even you know after this presidential campaign, regardless of what happens, I'm going to work on, on changing that. And, um, and I, you know, I, I agree with Dario that we need to, to talk about, about issues and have, um, you know, long discussions and retreats and stuff, but um, Dario Hunter has just called for the Georgia Green Party to be disaccredited because they have a statement in support of women rights for women and children that that Dario interprets as being against trans Skip people. The topic. And Skip the question. What? So, you know, I think I think we need we need to stick together and talk about complex issues like that instead of splitting and, and calling for certain state parties to be disaccredited. Okay. Um, 
I'm going to ask for time for rebuttal since I was personally addressed. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Rena. I won't take very long. Uh, this is something that my colleague uh, might not be aware of before issuing a statement on that issue, which is an issue I find to be very personal to me and to members of my community who suffer from transphobia and the risk of being unfortunately attacked or killed physically. We just heard of a woman in Puerto Rico who was killed because of who she is. She's a transgender woman. And this is something that's very sensitive to many members in our community. But of course it is sensitive to everyone, the opinions that they have that they are passionate about. And so before that statement, I did get in touch with and have communication with the Georgia Green Party. And I might have been one of the few people who did that. And we had a very long conversation, myself and Hugh Esco. And we had a great rapport, and we still do. And after that conversation, I also got on the phone and I said to him, you know, we have to find a way to mend fences. So let's talk about how we can plan a retreat, organize something that will have the different opinions come together and talk about unifying despite this disagreement. So that's something that you might not be aware of, Mr. Roll, that is something I'm currently and presently engaged in. And so when I talked about unifying the party, I don't just talk the talk, I walk the walk. Even if I feel strongly about my own opinions, I don't want anyone who disagrees with me to just simply disappear. There's many, 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 many steps that we can take before we get to the point of saying, okay, there's no place at the table for you, and hopefully we never get to that point. Regardless of what our rules as a party might provide for, we always have to find a way towards consensus building, and I'm personally working on that. You made a statement asking for the Georgia Green Party to be disaccredited. All right, okay. The the ten key Don't values and four pillars are, are the, the key to us uniting the party, as well as communication and personal relationships. That's how we build the party and unify the party, is getting to know each other beyond our differences. Uh, a lot of prejudice is born from people not knowing people from certain communities, you know, from, you know, if you're in rural areas, generally you don't know a lot of minorities or uh, people with different lifestyles uh, or sexual preferences. Uh, that's because they move away because they're afraid of repercussions. Uh, we need to open up lines of communications between everybody. Uh, and we need to use, in my opinion, the, the two uh, key values that uh, affect us the most is the respect for diversity and future focus. This is how we unify the party, is respecting each other for their own differences and accepting them for who they are, not trying to change them to fit our mold of who a person should be, but accept everybody for whatever differences and whatever opinions that they bring to the table. I know it's hard for a lot of people to uh, get along with uh, you know, Uncle Joe who has 20 different guns and you know, would love to have a, a machine gun and hand grenades, but you know, he has the same passion for a lot of things that you may not realize. And until you start opening a discussion beyond these superficial one or two different things and start learning the respect for diversity that, you know, I was ingrained in the military that first day of basic training, they told us we're no longer black, white, yellow, brown, or orange, we're all green. And that uniform made us all the same. And no matter where we came from, whether it was New York City or Appalachian, Ohio or Los Angeles, we're all the same. 
We're here as Americans, we're here to improve our country, and we want to build the party, so we must unify to build the party. Well, to unify the Green Party after this campaign, I'm trying to run a positive campaign, talk about what I'm going to do, not what's wrong with the other people, or what's wrong with the Green Party out, you know, in public. If I got an issue, take it inside the Green Party and talk to the people I may have an issue with, or, you know, what the problems with the party structure. I don't think, you know, we shouldn't go running off to Facebook like it's mommy, you know. Mommy, mommy, you know, they said something about me. And they go tell everybody. That doesn't help us. So we need to, you know, deal with each other inside and then come out of the convention behind whoever gets the nomination. Now, that's the easy part. We got half a million people in this country identified with Greens. In about half the states that keep partisan registration, there are about 250,000 of those. And in the other states, we can assume they're about the same number of people. Where are they? You know, we're the core. Well, how do we unite with that 500,000 people? Imagine we had a membership party and they all contributed $10 a month, which is not that much. When I was a teamster, I contributed two and a half hours wages a month, which by the end of my period was over 50 bucks a month. But just say $10 a month, 500,000 people, that's a $5 million a month budget for the Green Party. Now we're talking about something that can take on the oldest party in the world, the Democrats, and the second richest party, the second most capitalist party in the world, and, and the richest party, the Republicans, the most capitalist party in the world. That's what we need to be talking about. Unite the Greens, and then beyond that, unite with the people, the working class. And what I've been saying is, we're activists. You know, somebody said they're former Democrats. Most of us are pissed off former Democrats. I didn't go through that experience. I got pissed off before you can get me. But anyway, we're activists. We, we got mad about the Iraq war, some environmental issue, or some economic justice issue, and we show up at the demonstration, but we don't know how to organize. I brought people to Green meetings in the course of my campaign. I call them up later. Did the, you've been back to the local meeting, they say, don't tell me where the meetings are. We get lists, we don't use them. Organize is about building relationships. You don't go you know, and preach to people, you build relationships. And then you can talk about the politics after you've got some trust. That's what we need to do to unite with even more than that 500,000 Greens. This is a perfect segue into the next question. What has your campaign done to grow the Green Party to maintain or receive ballot access in all 50 states and territories? Because I noticed that uh, obviously the Republicans and Democrats have ballot access all over, which uh, we should have too. So let's uh, focus on that for a second and we'll see where that takes us. I'll start at this end of the table over back. Well, growing the Green Party, I, I, I'm going to say a little bit more about organizing versus just activism. You know, if you, you know, Greens say, oh, you know, like Setting Out points out, which is true, most of our groups are mostly white, we're all white. So we need some black folks. So we go and give them a leaflet to say, join us. And they look at you like, where did you come from? Who are you? I don't even know you. I don't trust you. The way you build trust is talk to people, ask them what's going on, how you can help. And you build a relationship, then trust, then you can talk about your issues. That's what we need to do in a systematic way. Uh, we tend to talk to ourselves, we mobilize the usual suspects. We mobilize, but we don't organize. We need to know the kind of things a union organizer knows to build unity across the uh, bargaining unit, or a community organizer knows when they're trying to organize a community with different kinds of folks in it. So 
to me, that is key to growing the Green Party. We need to build this party. The future of the Green Party is the people that don't vote. It's working class folk, it's young folk, and it's people of color. They ain't being represented by the two-party system. They aren't apathetic, they're alienated. And they're probably smarter than a lot of upper middle class suckers who think the Democratic Party is a progressive party. Those people got illusions about their influence on the Democratic Party. So that's our future, and we need to know how to organize those folks. So I think that's the key to growing the Green Party. And as far as what my campaign's done for ballot access, it's been a primary emphasis. We get on the ballots, they can't ignore us. At least they're gonna call us spoilers, and we can say, no, we're not spoiling the election, we're improving the election, and get into the debate. I'm glad when they attack us. The Daily Beast attacked me for that yesterday. Thank you. You know, now we're in the debate. Um, so we've, we've paid for petitioners in some states. We had a day on Super Tuesday where they had Super Tuesday ballots. We had Greens out in Vermont, Oklahoma, Alabama, and Arkansas at the polling places, looking at the Sanders people saying, we're playing B, sign a petition, get us on the ballot. So that's what we're doing. Make sure it's still on. Uh, um, Ohio, we lost ballot access uh, in the last election cycle. So I, I have personally uh, been gathering signatures for my own home state to uh, try to get us ballot access. A lot of the barriers are nearly impossible. Uh, for uh, Arizona, I, I spoke to the folks out there, and for uh, a Green Party candidate to get on the ballot, I believe it's 75,000 uh, signatures that they need, but uh, for an independent, they only need 40,000. Uh, we could go that route, uh, but unfortunately it doesn't really build the party and doesn't get the party on the ballot. But as a, a party, we need to be more organized. We have to be more communicative with uh, not only the, uh, the candidates who are running for office, but also for, to the public at large. Uh, we need to be more professional in, in our organization and communicating with the general public and let them know where we are. Um, I know it's a hard fight to fight the mainstream media narrative that we are the spoiler party, but when the elections are rotten to the core, there is no spoiling. We need to really uh, help each other from across state lines, build those parties where they are, there is no activity or no activity, little activity. We need to really work together to, to be a unified national party not necessarily having a centralized plan, but uh, working each state for based on each state's laws to get ballot access. I know that, that takes a lot of work, but we have to have some organization behind that, and we should hope that the people who are claiming to be green in these states that don't have ballot access are working towards that and are communicating with our national party as well as the candidates like us we're trying to get on the ballot across the nation, and I would appreciate everybody's help in helping us get ballot access in those states where we don't. Okay, uh, well, ballot access is only a good thing as long as, as we're embodying our key values. Otherwise, ballot access just legitimizes the phony electoral system we have. Like now, the electoral system is okay because the the Greens who have ballot access everywhere, even if at that point the Green Party won't really stand for a real change anymore. That you know, because we have more parties on the ballot, that's that's 
good in and of itself. That we need to to really really be different and embody our key values and and be for a real change. So um, I, I haven't done that much for ballot access while well, I've been a candidate, but before I was running for president. In, in Massachusetts, in my Green Party in Massachusetts, I was on the statewide candidate recruiting working group in 2018, and I recruited um, candidates to run for statewide office, excellent candidates for um, Secretary of State, State Treasurer, and State Auditor, and that's that's why we have ballot access in Massachusetts, because I worked with three other people and these candidates to, to get that for us. and. Um, but then after I did that, my state party kept me off the primary ballot in Massachusetts this year because of my anti-imperialist politics, because I'm for decolonization and giving um, self-determination and reparations to, to black people and indigenous people here, which will take power away from white people, and because I'm for um, you know, giving Palestine back to the Palestinians, which will take power away from from white Jewish people there, and because I disagree with uh, imperialist propaganda against um, Syria and China and other countries with, with progressive anti-imperialist governments. So they get me off the ballot there, but I think we, we in Massachusetts, but I think we need to um, be really different and people, people um, are supporting my campaign who don't usually support the Green Party, people who don't usually vote. I'm bringing those people into the Green Party. Let's talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of this. It's clearly going to be a very, very large effort to engage in to try to make sure we get ballot access all across this country and towards that end our campaign is organizing state coordinators for this. And we also have an excellent national coordinator, Tom Yeager, who's experienced in this issue, but we also recognize, back to the issue we discussed earlier of green unity, that we, this is not an individual campaign issue, individual responsibility. If we are all invested in this effort as a party, we all want ballot access. So we have to be ready to collaborate on that issue, and our campaign is understanding this is a common responsibility. We're ready to devote our resources to a common effort to ensure that we get ballot access all across this country. Now, when we talk about how we're going to get people to vote for us, to keep us on the ballot in future elections is always a consideration. We need to understand that having people vote for the Green Line means speaking to the experience of Americans. And while we as individuals may be interested in one particular issue more than others, when you are talking to that person in Youngstown, Ohio, who is waiting in line, for instance, at the unemployment office because they lost their job at GM, or you're talking to a single mother who barely has time to help her child with, with the homework, but unfortunately the school doesn't have time either, it seems, because they are failing, they are crumbling as a system. What are you going to speak to those persons about? We have to address the wide range of their experience, and so our campaign is endeavoring to do that. We're going to talk about living wage, yes, but we're talking about one that's indexed to the cost of living and inflation. Flex to your experiences in America. We're going to talk about lack of housing. Living in California, I see this acutely. There are tent cities across the state. We are going to talk about things like what happened in Flint. And when we talk about it and the anger people feel about how they've been abused and mistreated and how things have been polluted for profit, we're going to talk about solutions and consequences. People want to see a system that responds to their benefit and their best interest. There are still people who are walking around free and have not been locked up for that human rights abuse. We as a party are the party that's going to 
actually speak truth to power and fight for people. And that's what's going to keep us on the ballot line. So um, for me, what have I in my campaign, what has it done about like, getting ballot access? And uh, I think first off, it's awareness. So this year is the 100 year anniversary year of women's rights to vote in the United States. Yes, congratulations to all us women. We have had that right for 100 years, so congratulations. And what I have on is a dress that is from 1920s in design, and it's what the suffragettes were wearing when they were walking around asking for the right to vote. So I'm now marching to uh, further women's rights. Uh, as you know, one of my ideas is about mothers, but I have some other things that we, we also need to do as far as bringing rights to women and, and other minorities. But um, so my campaign, uh, I have just sort of finished here, my last state on this uh, journey. I spent a little over a month in the United States, traveling to 28 states, and talking to people, not only about my ideas, but listening to them about their ideas. And then at the end, I tell them, you know, here's my card, and I'm with the Green Party. And they, they have questions about the Green Party, they want to know more, so I tell them where to go to find out more information. And this is in 28 states. So I have uh, really used my campaign to spread the word. And when I come back, I'm going to go home now, see my family, get some things done. I have to, I have to update my financial things for the NBC and some other stuff. And then I'll be back on another tour, probably for a month. And then I will see what I can do about getting signatures for, for us so that we can have that ballot access. Thank you. I'm going to do a little training in debate and forum settings. If you started with me, just keep it going now. Going back and forth doesn't give balance to other candidates. Second thing, sexism is real, racism is real. We cannot pretend it doesn't exist. So to give one male a chance to respond and not a female is not okay. Fortunately, I'll use my time to deal with that here. Our campaign has been the main campaign that has pushed meeting as candidates monthly, has pushed organizing the green system change that we send to everybody, because it's about coordination and strategy. We pushed having online debates and debates, because that wasn't set up. It's about media and exposure. Five state, two, five whistle, stop fake shoots, tours. We don't grow the Green Party within here unless you're trained to do that. So part of what's been imperative is that people know how to listen and know how to communicate with each other. Our campaign has given more than 30 interviews to each person. We've been the quasi-presidential support committee. Because I have that training, I've been able to do that. When we talked about setting this up, that was me. Well, any debate we've done, it's about my skill base. So the second thing is voter issues. I've worked with seven candidates in seven states to understand what voters want. We should not even have to pay petitioners. If we are more effective as candidates, actually getting out, being used by you, you wouldn't, we wouldn't have to pay. So that's part of the issue. The second thing is teaching people about 
voting, ranked choice voting, and we've been doing that. So systematically, being a person who's from a uh, family that has union roots, roots and social justice, being able to be effective in communication is the most effective thing, and our campaign has done that more than any other candidacy. So talking a good game, but not showing up to meeting, not pushing meeting, not sharing, it's just talk. Our campaign has done that.